0: everybody, welcome back to the MCU Lorecast. Today we're going to be talking about X2, X-Men United, and we're going to deep dive into the fight scenes, the history, and the background that you maybe didn't know about. Welcome back if you viewed our first episode um, about X-Men, the first one from 2000. Today uh, we're going to jump
1: forward to,
0: what, 2003.
1: Uh, two thousand three, like two thousand two, two thousand three, something like that.
0: Uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, I'm Captain Shenko, and this is Psych. Lou, two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yep. So where do we begin? Um, we are again in the early two thousands uh, set in time, and it starts out in the White House. We are introduced to a new character, Nightcrawler, not formally seen in the first X-Men film, and he's breaking into the White House. We don't know what's going on. It's very hectic, and the guards are coming out. The Secret Service is coming out trying to get him stopped, and all they know is that a mutant is attacking the X-House, or the White
1: House. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Wrong house.
0: (laughs) Um. They're trying to figure out... The X-Men are trying to figure out uh, why he ends up attacking the White House. All the while, the kind of after-effects of the Mutant Registration Act uh, and the events of X-Men are still very relevant to the people we're seeing now. Um,
1: Yep.
0: Xavier ends up using Cerebro to track Nightcrawler, and it gives us this insight that... um, you know kind of foreshadows later events but he basically says if he tries to find him too hard and concentrates too hard on the target that he's trying to find he could actually kill them with his mind um
1: yeah which is kind of scary
0: very scary <laughs> um so they're trying to track him and he eventually stops and he sends a, and uh professor x ends up sending out uh gene gray and storm to go find nightcrawler and they go out to to question him and meanwhile, Cyclops is out on his own mission.
1: As Cyclops and, and Xavier. Xavier go to visit Magneto's Magneto. cell. Um,
0: They've got this crazy plastic prison designed for him, so he can't escape. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, if they bring yeah, any. They
1: want to know. They want to know why. Uh, why this mutant attacked the White House, and maybe he was working with Magneto, or somehow. And that becomes quickly evident that that was not what was happening, and they are both captured. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so um. this is where, you know, with with the scenes with Magneto at the Plastic Prison, this is where we're introduced to the character of Stryker. Um, and it's shown very quickly that he abuses his subjects. He's definitely not um, going to shy away from experimenting on mutants, and um, even goes as far as to experiment on his own son. Uh, He has a serum that he can drip on the base of the spine uh, in order to control the mutants and make them tell him information. He ends up uh, getting information about Cerebro and the uh, Xavier School out of Magneto using this. And when Cyclops brings Professor X to talk to Magneto about the White House attack, um, it's all... Revealed that it was a big a big ploy to get control over Charles. Um, Striker builds his own evil cerebro and forces Charles to find all the mutants. And this becomes um, the central line of danger for our characters to move through.
1: Yep. Uh, let's see, where um, are we going next? I guess the B plot is, of course wolverine
0: yes wolverine returns to the x mansion and happens to be around when all the events start going down um of course with the character striker we kind of see a few more glimpses into uh weapon x which logan has no real recollection of it's comes in sparse bits and pieces and a lot of confusion still about his past and where he came from and you know how he ended up with his metal skeleton and, um, uh, basically is just trying to figure out everything that he's missing from his amnesia, um, which, uh, Jean Grey sees a lot of Weapon X and is able to determine where Stryker's base is through reading his mind. Um, another small plot is Jean kind of losing control over her powers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she actually she plucks the uh, she plucks the base info from Nightcrawler who had been captured mm-hmm. and used as a ploy by Stryker to ignite the mutant human race war. So because Stryker had uh, brain uh, used that serum on Nightcrawler, sent him to the White House to do that. But during the attempt, Nightcrawler was harmed, and so that kind of like broke the spell basically and he just ported the hell out of there. Um and yes, the the subplot with Jean is the emergence of her greater powers. Like she's been stifling her telekinetic and telepathy abilities and something is changing within her. And it kinda happened at the Liberty Island incident.
0: Yeah, that was the that was the moment when her greater powers started to awaken and now um, mm-hmm. Even Cyclops says a couple of times, you know, when you have nightmares, the whole room shakes. What's going on? And she's kind of unwilling to say what's going on because what the ro- the root of it is, she's terrified. She has no idea uh, what this new power is and where it's coming from and why it's happening. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Because you know, you get you get your one your one time with your powers kind of appearing and it's stressful enough. And then for, I think, an adult mutant to have who has had a start to their training and feels like they understand their power to have it change, that's got to be insanely difficult to to experience
1: and deal with. Um, Especially when that change includes being able to rip things off the walls and enter the minds of people unwillingly, both of, of yourself and them. Mm-hmm you know uh, you're reading not just surface thoughts but you could get into subconscious things and worse become trapped in someone else's mind or they trapped in yours just because you reached out like it, this isn't stuff to just that just masters itself overnight and it is certainly nothing to be to be considered lightly uh, this isn't just playing with matches this is playing with a a uh, you know, a flare next to a keg of freaking gasoline.
0: It's definitely um, malicious. Uh, After the events of the White House, Stryker is able to convince the president to allow him to take some form of action and presents him with proof of Xavier's school and that it's not necessarily a a normal prep school it's not just a school for the gifted he brings up the fact that there's a jet that they know nothing about that comes up out of the basketball field Um, Mm -hmm. and then the president gives him a fair amount of operational freedom and says go in ask some questions but the last thing we need is um, a dead mutant kid on tv
1: um, and what did Stryker do? He launches <laughs> that. a full-scale
0: <laughs> invasion into the Xavier Institute. And um, luckily, Logan was there and kind of sensed the danger before uh, a whole lot of major bad stuff happens. Uh, there are a few of the students who end up abducted, but uh, most of them are able to escape through tunnels and escape routes. Um they must have had fire drills or something like that to
1: oh yeah, <laughs> to practice ha- that kind you, of stuff. You have evacuation plans built up just in case, and they are taught. This is where we have our second actress for the role of Kitty Pride show up. We get a lot more screen time with her, which is saying something, because we got a whole two and a half seconds with the first one, and sh- this one gets... Five, Something like six, that. You get to see her run through. You get to
0: see her run through some guys yeah. and run through some doors, and and then that's it.
1: Yeah, and we also get our first sighting of Colossus, which is always a treat. Um, Colossus is one of my favorites. I,
0: I uh, actually really liked this Colossus.
1: Mm-hmm. He didn't say much. He didn't, you know, have any any major. I mean, he's got one line, and he's got three or four scenes in the movie total. Yeah, I say one line. He's got a couple like Short lines. little lines, but he's got he's got the one line with Hugh Jackman, uh, being like, "Hey, I want in," and he, and Wolverine's, "You need to go protect the students. That's where you are needed most." Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, that's all we get. Uh, let's see. So the majority of the
0: students escape um, out into the forest and um, are you know off screen for some time, but. Iceman, Rogue, Wolverine, and Pyro steal yet another of Cyclops' vehicles to escape the house. Um, And they end up going to visit Bobby's family. Uh, It's kind of heading in in the same direction that they know that uh, Storm and Jean are. So that's where they start heading, because they can't communicate with the rest of the team very well, so they say, okay, we know where Rogue and Jean are, so let's go try to rendezvous with them. Um, And nobody has heard from Cyclops and and Xavier. Um, This brings us into uh, an important, I think, but also glaringly uh, uh, problematic uh, scene, because this directly ties into... Uh, the idea of coming out to your family as a member of the LGBT community um, and I am glad to see it especially at, at the time this movie came out in 2003 um, so the the parallel isn't as or I should say the problems weren't as fronting as they are now uh,
1: but still good to see yeah so the setup here is uh, Bobby uh, Iceman, he says, my par- my family lives in Boston, so they go to the Drake household to kind of you know, rest up uh, and get some clothes, because kids ran out and basically PJs, pajamas yeah. or you know, or whatever they were sleeping in. Um, and so while they're there, they run into Drake's family, and he hadn't told them he's a mutant. Um, it had all been sold to them as kind of a prep school, and that was about it. Mhm. Uh, so he shows them that he can freeze things, and there's the, well, have you tried not being a mutant? Like, Let me
0: just sit here and rewrite the genetic code that y'all gave me <laughs> real quick. Uh, because, the yeah. you know, the father kind of says, well, you know, how'd you end up like this? And they said, well, we actually did some research and found out the, that the X gene is passed through the father's chromosomes. So... <laughs> Uh, it's your fault dad cons-
1: considering the source of that was pyro and he's he's a troublemaker not a hundred percent certain of that like he's a what is it sam calls it a uh an unreliable narrator. Prote- unreliable narrator yeah. right um so was he trying to know further divide drake's family just by being being him basically by being himself or you know was he was he doing that and telling the truth who knows uh because it's not like there's a scientific journal that shows up at the same time that says this uh this fact has been checked or not yeah um but yeah it's it's a very poignant scene um that that was handled I'd say fairly well. It wasn't played for any jokes. It wasn't... um, But it wasn't, like, so overly dramatized that... Well, I say that. The brother goes and calls the police, so I guess that basically sums up dramatization.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So Bobby's brother calls the the cops on them, and then uh, the cops end up showing up, and hold a bunch of teenagers and Wolverine at gunpoint and, um, Pyro ends up,
1: and the cops lose,
0: kind of go, (laughs) Pyro goes off the handle a little bit and starts blowing up cop cars left and right. Okay. So, but it's understandable. It's understandable. It's a high, high heightened sense of, you know, adrenaline and, and all of that, but it certainly
1: doesn't do any good for the
0: mutant cause.
1: No. Um, But you know, so they they come out and there's a there's a gun on Wolverine and the cop is screaming, "Drop the knives and whatever!" And he goes, and I, can't. Explains, <laughs> "I can't." There explains attached to me. But then he he obviously picks his hands up and she's the claws. So now he is unarmed and is at that moment he gets shot in the head. And, and if that isn't a perfect representation. Of how apparently cops work even now. Here we are. This was a movie made in 2003. We are in 2022. And And it's still relevant. Unarmed people every fing day.
0: Mm hmm.
1: How, like, man. X Men was ahead of its time for sure. (laughs) Or at very least, aware
0: of of the course that events might take. Uh, Yeah. We've seen it a couple of times now where that medium portrayed what happened in the future not necessarily naming what that specific issue is but definitely hitting the nail on the head and even for a movie that's 20 years old still bringing a relevant topic of discussion to.
1: yeah so you know in to pyro's you know to how pyro's experiencing this right he's being told to surrender and the, their most combat, like, uh... Capable. Uh, combat-capable member has just been shot in the head. I mean, Pyro had watched him just disembowel soldiers not 20 minutes beforehand in the movie. Uh, and now he's just taken he's,
0: out.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Pyro makes a stand. Like, they're going to kill us, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to give them the opportunity to kill me. Or if they're going to kill me... I'm gonna die on my damn feet. Oh, yeah. And so, lights uh, lights up his lighter, and just whoosh.
0: Goes to town. Uh,
1: yeah. Even
0: after his buddies are kind of like, hey, dude, like, stop. Let's get out of here. Um, but definitely... Yeah, it
1: takes Rogue literally, like, almost killing him, off yeah. his ability. Yeah. And then the blackbird appears, and they get the, the hell out of town. So, I don't know. That whole scene was really good. Like... It showed, it showed how families could become so divided so quickly, because uh, you know Bobby's not going to go back to his family ever. No, they are never going to accept him. And even if they, even if that particular instant of stuff hadn't happened, would they have taken him back anyway? And so it really showed how well prejudice and bigotry will divide you if you let it Mm
0: -hmm. so after the blackbird picks everyone up um where do we go from there (laughs) they um nobody has heard still from cyclops and xavier um and they need to obviously find their leader and gene's husband and figure out what's going on because they now understand that nightcrawler was um you know, not fully himself when he attacked the White
1: House. Um, This is where movie hijinks kind of take over the plot. Like, well, we need our now recently escaped Magneto to meet up with the X-Men who have no idea where to go next. Um, So, you know, a CGI air battle happens. That's pretty much all right. Um, We get... More expressions of power from Storm and Jean Grey, which is great. And we literally almost crash land at Magneto's feet. Like, the coincidences of that. To
0: where he can stop the jet from crashing with his powers.
1: I mean, to be in the vicinity to crash land at his feet. Like, that is some movie-level hijinks. Like... We need them to do this, so we'll just make it happen rather than having it happen in an organic map fashion. Yeah. But yeah, uh, from there we get a whole... Uh, we get into like the interpersonal dramas of the, of the characters because, hey, Wolverine's back up with Jean Grey. Uh, uh, earlier, when he had returned to the Xavier Institute, there was this weird... He walks in the door. There's Rogue. She practically throws herself at him because she still has this, uh, you know, knight in shining armor kind of attachment to him. And then we get Storm, who also warmly, like, not just warmly welcomes him, but is very, I'm not going to say she's also throwing herself at him, but it's obvious there's something that she would like there to be. And then we get Jean Grey. And so it's like uh, this like, revolving door of girls just like, oh, Wolverine, how great you are. <laughs> God. A little heavy-handed <laughs> on the,
0: hey, Logan.
1: <laughs> yes, little heavy-handed indeed. But we get into the whole, you know, good, good boy, bad boy thing with Jean Grey, and then Mystique trying to mess around with Logan's head. Um, really, the best parts of it is just the little conversation between Nightcrawler and Mystique about... Well, you can change form. Why don't you do that all the time? And she's like, because we shouldn't have to.
0: Yeah, we should just be able to be ourselves.
1: Yeah, that was, that's a very important part of, of today. The fact that we still have laws that tell people you can't be yourself. We have culture, work cultures or personal cultures that allow you to, to prejudice and to be prejudiced against other people. Just based on who they are. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> Man, I'll be on that soapbox every time. Anyway.
0: Uh, anyway, they, they realize that the only way they're going to accomplish their goal is to work together. And, obviously, Magneto was not the good guy to them in the first film. So there's a, an element of distrust. They, oh, have you they? know, they know... Okay, there's a heavy likelihood that he's going to betray us, but we, like, literally cannot pull this off without him. Um, Mystique is the anchor of the whole deal. You know, she has to go in and infiltrate the place and just get everyone into the base, period. Um, and Wolverine volunteers to go, but Magneto kind of gives him a little side dig and is like, I don't think you're smart enough to do it, so we're sending Mystique.
1: <laughs> yep. Problem... She blows it, basically as soon as she walks in the door. Uh, I mean, she's got this arrogant smirk on her, face, uh, on her face. Hugh Jackman playing Mystique has this arrogant smirk, and like uh, Stryker takes one actual look at it. It goes, "I and know goes, my own work." That's not Logan. Yeah. So, so was Ma- was Magneto's faith misplaced, or was that? always the plan to just you know get captured and then literally blow it the second you walk in the door so that we can have another wild gunfight in which apparently no trained soldier can hit a target other than their own guys like
0: yeah she's just whipping around through this group of supposedly very well trained guys using some of them as human shields and then has the audacity to then Belly slide under a closing door, giving them the middle finger.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but eventually the the team gets in. They devise a plan, which Logan doesn't have any clue about, because as soon as they get together, he runs off again, doing his Wolverine Lone Wolf bull. But the rest of them, they split up. Storm, Nightcrawler, they go off and get the students that were captured. Uh, Jean goes to... Jean's going to go with Magneto and, and Mystique to save Charles, but that ends up going sideways when she runs into Cyclops, and they have themselves another CGI fight, which damages the dam, and then all hell starts to break loose. Yeah, so they're dealing with the
0: fact that the dam is going to breach and fill the whole area with water if they don't get out quick. Um, on top of that, rescuing the students, rescuing Charles... They do end up finding Cyclops because he was captured at the same time uh, as Charles. And Wolverine is discovering his past. Mm -hmm. Um, He ends up finding the room where he was turned into the adamantium-filled man that we know today. Um, You know, you see the tank and the injection tubes, and then you get... um, striker appearing and he goes yep i i knew that you i knew you were a lone wolf i knew you were gonna wander off on your own and find this and don't you want to know everything well i'll I'll tell you everything but you you have to you know
1: you have to play ball with me now i mean at, at that moment he was more than willing to just let uh, his assistant eviscerate um, him yeah um his assistant has been a very silent and unfortunately underused uh, Kelly Yu. Definitely, Um uh, She was playing the role of Lady Deathstrike. She had no, no. She has one line in the entire thing. Otherwise, she is the silent companion, and it plays on the silent Asian trope. Which,
0: yeah, the subservient was, silent Asian woman, yeah. uh, sidekick assistant with. Mild sexual undertones.
1: Yes. Uh, But anyway, uh, we finally are introduced to her power set, which is um, Antimantium. It's not fingernails, but it's Antimantium claws that come out of the tips of her fingers. So she's got that. And during the fight, it's revealed, oh, she's also got the healing factor. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, she is death by a thousand cuts incarnate. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Just <laughs>
0: needles Wolverine through the whole fight, um, and obviously you know he has the his healing factor as well. So it's uh, definitely painful, but I don't think the most effective way to take him down, because uh, he for the most part eats most of those attacks up into the point where they're you know kind of fighting next to the tank. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's in the tank. They they get up on top, they ended up over it, and then stuff happens, and they end up kind of in it. And, um, Stryker does some, had done some foreshadowing about how adamantium, once you get it purified and and stuff, you gotta keep it hot. So there's a bubbling vat of the stuff sitting next to it. And he uses an injection tube to shove liquid adamantium into Deathstrike's body. Mm -hmm. And... Because this wasn't a surgical procedure or anything. It was just needle into the guts and then just blow it. Um, hot metal, hot liquid metal just goes up into her chest cavity. Um, and it's a very painful way to die. Because it burns and then it solidifies. So now her body can't heal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, Overcame
0: the healing and, factor.
1: Yeah. Um, and she dies not understanding Why? Because she had been brainwashed through the entire thing, mm-hmm. like her last her last actions are realizing she's dying and then dead, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's man as ways to go, not on the top of my list. Like that's really low on the list
0: of ways I want to die. Getting yeah. filled with molten metal. Um, so after that fight, Wolverine works his way through to make it to the rest of the group because he knows uh, kind of where the water's going to start coming from and uh, where they need to go. Um, Stryker has made his way to the surface and is trying to escape. Um, Magneto has other plans.
1: Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so Wolverine actually chased him down first. That's, yes. And kept him from leaving. Um, and then once he, but Stryker has, offers him. First he trashes him. Stryker's like you're an animal with claws, and I made I made you better. And then it's all come with me, and I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you all the stuff that we did together. Uh, you know, crap like that. So he's his tactics to win Logan over are completely insane. Um, I, I will admit the. The dialogue choices for that one just didn't make a whole lot of sense. No. But Wolverine decides to go back because he can hear the alarms and get the rest of his team out. Yeah, he says, I choose the x Yeah, He leaves Striker tied to the helipad and is like, if we die, you die. Yeah. Then Magneto comes up upon him later while... um,
0: After he'd escaped. Because Logan failed to realize when you tie a man up when he's wearing gloves, he can just take off his gloves.
1: Yeah, I mean, he just kind of slipped out of the chain that he was wrapped around. But yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Very lazy tie job.
1: Very. Uh, but we get, like, Magneto makes uh, a statement with Stryker's body. That is for certain. Um, meanwhile, we've got Xavier, who, under the control of Jason Stryker, the, the mutant son of, of William, had been trying to target all the mutants by concentrating on them really hard with Cerebro to kill them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get that... Magneto had stopped that and he reversed it to be like, okay, now, tell the kid to tell Charles, kill all the humans. And man, is that a cold-blooded decision to have your oldest, best friend... Commit global genocide. Like, yeah, to... All in the name of your cause. Again, like... He, here we are with Magneto using someone else to do his dirty work.
0: Mm-hmm. Unwilling to make that sacrifice himself.
1: Yeah. First it was Rogue, and now it is his oldest friend. I mean, that is some cold-blooded stuff. Yeah. Um, but we get that stopped, and because of the damage, stuff starts like flying apart, and we have this we have this moment between Storm and Nightcrawler about faith and use you know like i i don't understand why gene just couldn't pop the image of cerebro into nightcrawler's mind so he would know where to go but hey whatever
0: it's like not like all these people have been inside cerebro before and they would
1: be able to say hey
0: teleport 10 feet in straight in the middle and you'll be all right
1: (laughs) yeah Uh. um But yeah, we we get the kids out, and the dam is about to go, and we have this touching moment between Wolverine and Stryker as we find him tied uh, with chains to a concrete slab. Uh, Much more effectively uh, than
0: Wolverine had done.
1: Yeah. uh, I'm not going to say crucified, but damn well close to it.
0: Definitely on display. That was a a Mm. statement. Yep. Uh, Because Magneto... Knew for certain that uh, that that dam was gonna that dam was gonna go yeah. and fill that area with water. He knew Stryker wasn't walking
1: away from that. Um, yeah, I mean, he certainly wasn't gonna let him after the tortures he had expressed upon Magneto. Certainly like... not. Um, and so... then,
0: um, as Magneto's leaving the dam ahead of you know everything falling apart, um, Pyro was leaving the Blackbird, you know, to go get into the action, because the adults had said, you know, you guys are the junior members, you guys stay, we don't want anyone to get hurt. Uh, And he says, kind of like, you know, screw that, I'm going to go, I'm going to fight. And then he finds, uh, Magneto finds him on the way, and basically says, you know, you're too good for all this, you are a god among insects, you should come join the Brotherhood. And Pyro says, you know what, I think these these people, their views are more in line with what I'm thinking. I've been told no all this time and not been able to show my powers. I've been, you know, forced to still hide them, even though I'm supposed to be learning to accept myself. And so he goes with Magneto and Mystique.
1: Yep. So he he bounces ship real quick there and becomes a member of the Brotherhood, which, I mean, if you knew your, your lore, you're like, oh. Pyros is a member of the Brotherhood. That that tracks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Bo- Bobby and Rogue end up piloting the Blackbird very poorly. <laughs> to, <laughs> to uh, piloting is uh, piloting indicates that there was skill involved in that. Falling with style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they get the Blackbird to the team, and they start trying to get out of there. Except nothing's working, and here comes here comes. The heroic sacrifice of Jean Grey. And she she's already hurt. She busted up her leg during her fight with Cyclops. So she limps out of there and makes a stand. And uh, the water comes rushing in. She manages to somehow telekinetic uh, telekinetically get the engines going. Controls the Blackbird. While at the same time holding off a, a mess ton of water. Like, it's a dam that's burst. That's it. That's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So she's doing all that all at the same time. We get the, the fiery phoenix glow about her and then she gets the blackbird out of there and lets the water consume her. Mm-hmm. Why she didn't just fly up out of there? Why she couldn't do that? I don't know because it just doesn't make any sense. If you can control the, the minute details to, to get a ship or a, an airship going while also doing the brute force work of holding back water
0: yeah once the ship is flying you let you let it go and then you fly off
1: yeah exactly but instead she lets herself die maybe she was scared of what she would become um or maybe
0: the maybe or, that part of her was already consciously yeah. controlling that action and said all right if i take out
1: take out gene then i can come out and play or maybe that who knows I mean, it's is tough to say so uh yep she she bites it there, and the rest of the X-men leave having uh, lost a, gone through a lot
0: lost an integral member of their team. Um, Cyclops and Wolverine have some male bonding time over the um <laughs> shared emotional trauma of losing their girlfriend and not girlfriend.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so anyway
1: <laughs> yeah we we're derailed come to the end. Um, the the president's holding a, a conference, and he's <clears throat> he's about to start making some historic mistakes. Mm-hmm. But, was, but we really don't know. There's a there's a speech prepared. Uh, the X Men do you know Xavier does his whole time stop thing, which really is just stopping the perceptions of other people around them to to a standstill, and they have an honest chat about. The direction that the United States government wants to take in response to...
0: The quote-unquote mutant problem, yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, Um,
0: Basically, just says, you know, hey, do you want to make a massive mistake? Because mutants are here to stay. And up until this point, all we've done is fix the problems caused by your fear. Um, This is true. So, you kind of... You have a choice here. You can choose to go to war with the mutants, but we're here to stay. Basically saying, you know, you can make your choice. You can go to war against us, or you can choose to make peace with us, but just know that we are here and we're here to stay, and we're not going anywhere. So if you want to start a war, we will fight the war, but you can also make this choice for yourself to not further the problems and to work towards understanding.
1: Yep. So, um we are, left, we are left with the sense of hope that the government will make a wise decision. I don't know how wise that was, but hey, whatever. Um, and the rest is just, there's a moment of loss, and we kind of just move on. like We do
0: get the, the ending with Gene talking about uh, how genetics eventually take a giant leap forward... And then we get a little bit of foreshadowing for X3, uh, which we'll talk about in our next episode. Yep. But this takes us to our mid-break, so I think we probably still have some people to thank for sure. Um, And then we'll get into our other topics.
1: All right, welcome to the mid-break. So uh, since we haven't... we haven't yet started. Uh, we don't have any five-star reviews yet or anything to read out here, but this is where we would normally would do it. But we would like to thank you for taking the time to, to listen to the podcast. Uh, it means a, a lot to us. So uh, now if you're hearing it, it means it's up. And that means you can leave us a five-star review on Apple or just hit a five-star on uh, Spotify. Uh, would go a long way to helping us make the podcast the best that it can.
0: You can also still and... find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as MCULorecast. Uh, or you can contact us through email at uh, MCULorecast at com. Okay. And we're right. back to the podcast. Uh, so, yep. where where did this movie differ from the comics? Because I know that
1: uh, in our Ooh. in our pre
0: planning, <laughs> y- you had some strong feelings.
1: <laughs> okay, so first, let me go let me go through the first part of this. Is um, first instances of characters, right? So um, this one's a lot more villain heavy, but I don't have to go into like everybody's here. But we get Nightcrawler and Colossus. They were also introduced in Giant Size X-Men Number 1 in May 1975 by Lin Wynn and Dave Cochran. Um, those would be, until first class, those will be the last of the characters introduced from the Giant Size X-Men Number 1. Uh, because I do not believe we ever get a Sunfire. Uh, we also don't ever get a Warpath. And Banshee is in first class. So... Uh, gr- the biggest discrepancy is comic Nightcrawler does not have angelic sigils tattooed into his flesh. He's just fuzzy and blue. The,
0: yeah, the Christian Why? overtures with that character were very random and uh, very out of left field.
1: Well, okay, so uh, he is Catholic. Like, that is a staple of his character, is that he is... A devoted catholic christian Mm -hmm. but for them to take that and then literally tattoo it into him i and having him do it himself just i don't know it speaks to a level of of self-hatred that is uh, like yes kurt does wish he didn't look quite so like a demon literally with the pointed Prehensile tail, the the pointy ears. uh, He's only got three fingers and two toes. You know all the stuff that makes him look different: yellow eyes and stuff. And then
0: to compound that with all of the symbols and the and the excess, the extra. I already hate myself. Let me do this too.
1: Yes, Um, but the rest of him is still pretty good. Like he's from Germany. He has an acrobatic background. He's got his bamfing power, like all that pre-grid. Plus, (laughs) apparently the elf does get around the, the aforementioned, like, like what little bit of it we got between Storm and Nightcrawler. That actually kind of was a thing for like a hot minute in the comics. So, and she's not the only one the elf has gotten with. Wasn't there even a thing with Logan at one point too? Between Storm? No, with Nightcrawler. Oh, okay, like, what? Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. I, I do not believe so, um, but I could be wrong. I'm sure certain someone on Twitter will tell me otherwise. Um, but I do not, I don't believe there was a romantic interlude between Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Wolverine's always, <clears throat> I say always in quotations, uh, had eyes for Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. Like that was the big thing. He gets around. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I can't think of up until recently. I can't think of any, um, male lovers in his background.
0: He's definitely popular with the ladies.
1: Very, very, um, since we don't have so much with Colossus, uh, he's more important later, but it was important to introduce him now rather than later. Um, so, yeah, um, I have to say, for 1975 to introduce both a German and a Russian character as your mainstays for a relaunch of a superhero uh, comic book, that has to be one hell of a power move.
0: was a little daring, for sure. We,
1: yeah, we're not, we're barely 30 years removed from World War II. Uh, we, for 1975, we were still dealing with Vietnam, which was a war against communism, which was we were fighting with the Russians. So, yeah.
0: And the man's last name is Rasputin. Mm-hmm. They-
1: and then there's that. <laughs> Holy God. Like, they
0: didn't get real creative there, did they? No.
1: no <laughs> like, they hey, We need not. a Russian last name. What's a popular Russian
0: last name? Oh, <laughs> Rasputin. I...
1: Honestly, I'm sure he picked it because of all of the mythology that has developed around um, the original Rasputin. You know, how he, how he could trick people, how he could uh, hypnotize people. Like, that, if you didn't know it, you would probably sound like you're talking about a mutant. So, I'm not going to lie, they probably thought they could get a lot of mileage out of the Ras- Rasputin line for mutancy. I can see it. Rather than going with, like, you know, making him a a lost uh, Russian czar or something, you know?
0: Yes, there are are worse ways. They definitely could have gone with it.
1: Yeah. Um, Other character, big character introduced was Pyro. Uh, He was introduced in January 1981 in Uncanny X-Men number 141. And that's by Claremont and Brine. You'll probably hear us say that on a lot. Claremont, Claremont did so much for the revitalization of the X-Men line. Like, Stan Lee's considered you know, the father of it all, but holy crap, does Claremont get a lot of, of time to really develop these characters into who we know them to be. His
0: name crosses my uh, notes a whole lot when it comes to... Um, Characters that he was integral in writing.
1: Uh Um, Mm-hmm. Pyro's big bits were actually stories involving uh, Senator Kelly, who also did show up in this movie, but was... uh, Mystique. A mystique disguise. Yeah. Um, His first deals with trying to assassinate him. Like, that's where he's introduced. Is a plot by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to assassinate John Kelly. And then later towards uh towards the end of pyro's life he saves the senator from an assassination attempt right before dying from complications from the legacy virus um which was we can get into the legacy virus later mm-hmm. uh so yeah uh, he had a he had a lot going for him uh and it made him a fan favorite but he was only up until recently he, he was only around from, you know, 1981 to 2001. So he's, he's only, by the time the movie that comes out, he was already dead a couple of years. Which, yeah. Um, and now for the two biggest, <laughs> the two biggest changes. Woo! We have Colonel William Stryker, who was never a colonel in, <laughs> in the army. He was a sergeant who was dishonorably discharged and later became a reverend. Um, he was introduced in God Loves, Man Kills by Claremont and Brent Anderson. Um, and he's all about how God, he is like the, the, the epitome of the worst uh, mega church pastor you can think of, like taken to uh, an absurd extreme. The hatred he has for mutants is because it is God's work. It's God's divine right to hate and fear mutants. And therefore you should too. And it is also our duty as humans to kill them in the name of the Lord. Like his entire, the entire book for God loves man kills like the basic premise of take Xavier to use, uh, to kill other mutants, that's where this storyline for the movie comes from, is from God Loves, Man Kills. They just took all of the religious crap and kind of threw it to the side in exchange for military, uh, in, uh, military action.
0: He did kind of speak with the the cadence of a reverend, though.
1: Oh, yeah, he does. Brian Cox did a fantastic job with the work. Like, he's still an adamant believer in how terrible mutants are and they do a real good job of showing that with uh how he interacted with his son jason the mutant that could create illusions Um, yeah he
0: considered his son as dead because he was a mutant he didn't consider what was left of his son after he experimented on him human at all or as a person
1: right um the comic book side of him um he and his wife were traveling through Arizona. Uh, they ended up in a car car wreck. She ended up, uh, she's pregnant and she's about like, it causes her to go into labor. So it forces him to like help her have the baby. And the baby is born physically mutated. And instead of accepting it, he kills it. So this baby isn't even minutes old and done. And when his wife comes to, he kills her. And then in, shock or disbelief or whatever he decides to kill all of them all like the whole group so he loads them all into the family car lights up the leaked gasoline and tries to blow them all up he survives he's later dishonorably discharged because he went to drinking uh and then later he starts to believe that he survived it because it's god's will and that's where his religious fervor comes from His ties to Wolverine are little more than a thread. He doesn't have that same level of personal connection that they made in the movie. Uh, He might have been part of Weapon X at some point, but he was in no way, shape, or form a contributing member to it. Uh, But he does have a relationship with Deathstrike, which brings us to Lady Deathstrike. She has two firsts, first as... Yuriko, um, I can't pronounce her last name very well, Oyama? Uh, That's correct, Oyama. Okay. Uh, I had to look at it written down. That's in Daredevil 197 in April uh, 1983. Uh, She's just a human. Uh, Daredevil saves her from imprisonment in her father's uh, fortress. Uh, Daredevil is there to stop them from Uh, giving uh, Bullseye's legs back because he's been paralyzed and uh, Yuriko's father had developed a way to bond adamantium to bone and a way to heal people and that's why they brought Bullseye in in fact that's canonically why he's still around is because he has adamantium infused uh, spine so it's not his whole skeleton it's only like a, a few bones but it's what allows him to keep walking around it's not until Alpha Flight number 33 in December of 1985 that we get Lady Deathstrike. Um, shenanigans happen. Uh, Yuriko's father is killed. Her, his work disappears. And later she finds out about the Wolverine and how his bones are enhanced with adamantium. And she makes a deal with uh, Spiral to turn herself into a cyborg with adamantium infused parts so that she can hunt him down because he's uh, his existence is a dishonor to her family and her father
0: Hmm. so he's the product of stolen work and she wants
1: yes she wants him to pay for it so
0: overall um how do you think do you think the differences were handled inappropriately or maybe not inappropriately but not um not necessarily in good faith with the comics. Uh, the, they, they took an awful lot of creative liberties, it seems like, with some of these characters uh,
1: for the film. Well, yeah. So there were you know, like I said, there were the the changes they made in Nightcrawler which I did not understand even when I first saw the movie or well after. Um, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like were necessary. Um, however, getting away from a heavily religious overtone might have been, um, prudent. In fact, I will say I'm surprised that they went with uh, such a anti-military route with, uh, with the Colonel mm-hmm. considering this movie was made, you know, a few years after, nine uh, 11 and oh boy, if you were against the military at any point in time, um, you were blacklisted, past you know he could have possibly been lynched in some places, mm-hmm. and so for the main bad guy to be an American colonel operating against American citizens, yeah, uh, that's that's a hell of a that's a hell of a move.
0: That's it's a bit of a gamble in the grand scheme for sure, um, because yeah. it, it definitely could have become ill received. But I think X two did fairly well at box office. Oh so. yeah.
1: Yes, it did.
0: Uh, and uh, as far as introducing new characters to the thing, you, you did mention that we see Kitty Pride number two. Uh, yep. And then we get another one before it sinks in, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, in X3, there'll be a third actor for Kitty Pride. Were there
0: any moments that were di- uh, directly pulled from the comics that you enjoyed seeing? Yeah, were there you know, uh, any any specific uh, moments where you said, "Okay, I know, ex- I know where that came from, and
1: that's cool." This because they didn't utilize nearly so much of the, so, like the 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 main stories what they pulled, but the rest of it because uh, God loves man kills the main character kind of is Kitty,
0: mm-hmm. and she was so a fringe a character of- in this one. We saw her for two seconds
1: exactly. So so much of that is told through her perspective and her, uh, from her point of view, right. That there's just not any of that present in the movie. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's probably one of the greatest disservices that the X-Men franchise has done to, uh, Kitty pride. Cause isn't, this isn't the only comic book in which she's kind of the main character and she's shuffled off to side fringe character Mm -hmm. because they'll, they will repeat this mistake in uh, Days of Future Past, which, anyway. We'll get there. We'll um, get there when we get there. We will definitely get there. Because <laughs> we still um, have feelings so, and still have
0: analysis to do for a plethora of films, for sure, and we're
1: excited absolutely. to bring that to you. Um, I, I will say the the opening scene with Nightcrawler in the White House and the general confusion his powers created, like that was really well done. Um, that's another thing too we we talked about it a bit
0: in our our episode one talking about x-men but still the cgi still holds up pretty well um especially with the nightcrawler i you know the warping in and out and the puffs of smoke or whatever um actually didn't look bad considering that the film is still 20 or 19 years old
1: yeah there were a couple uh, scenes with the claws that were that were looking they were showing their age um they didn't utilize nearly as many practical claws you know other than where the <clears throat> scene in the drake's kitchen where the cat surprises him that whole scene just didn't make any sense but it was funny um he's like
0: hey we just got here i'm breaking in your fridge and stealing your beer and i almost stabbed <laughs> your
1: cat <laughs> yeah uh what do you what exactly are you a professor of art <laughs> <I'm> like, okay <laughs> like. and they did absolutely nothing to hide uh Hugh Jackman's height in this movie there's a scene in the Xavier kitchen where he's you know he's getting stuff out of the refrigerator and it's obvious that he is taller than this refrigerator yes Wolverine is five freaking two. okay <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like they definitely tried a little bit harder to hide it in um, in the first movie, for sure. Because there were a lot of scenes where he was, like, laying down on a table or laying down on a bed. Uh-huh. And then anytime he was in a fight scene, um, the guy that played Sabretooth in the first movie was a big freaking dude. So he made oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman look small. Uh, and then
1: which is considering something that's a statement how tall is Hugh jackman
0: (laughs) is like six foot something not he's not a little guy let's
1: see hugh jackman we're gonna find out okay uh while you do that i will uh so he is six foot three uh, three okay six three yeah he is 30 it says
0: he is a meter 90 tall he stands 30 centimeters <laughs> taller than Wolverine, who is set in the original comic book to be 5 feet 3 inches.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Still a yeah. full, full um, foot higher. Geez. Yep. Um, the interpersonal play with the characters, um, it was all right. We didn't get a whole lot of it because we did a lot of split up the team and go do separate things, and we also have to introduce new characters... Um, I have to say the they did a decent job like kind of building up Iceman and Rogues relationship. Um, you know, the that kiss, that was really well done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean they're a couple of horny teenagers, like
0: yeah. Yeah, they're gonna kiss even though it's dangerous. It's like, hey, you could die. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I can take it. Sir, no you cannot
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, they are a walking a walking sign of the dangers of pregnancy <laughs> but like taken to the extreme <laughs> just once is all it will take to kill him <laughs> so
0: what if i want to have sex before marriage well i guess you'll just have to be ready to die <laughs> <laughs> yep
1: um you can see a bit of that CGI with the the fireballs that pyro threw around like they're just like there was the practical explosions but then there were the actual fireballs he tossed about they, they showed a little age. Um, like, in and of itself, it stands pretty well as a movie adapted from comic book lore. But it is heavily adapted. And there is not a whole lot that is, that is like, oh, hey, I remember that scene in this book. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen in this one.
0: No, it's not like uh, later films where you see very iconic moments portrayed directly on film.
1: Um, exactly.
0: And we'll talk about those scenes too uh, when we get to those mm. films because there's definitely some coming up. Uh, but I think that's I think we're at a good place to call it good.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we ran pretty good on this mm-hmm. one. <laughs>
0: we definitely had feelings uh, um, and definitely had some thoughts. and if anyone is interested, Both Psyche and I are fairly active on the Robots Radio Discord. Um, We will see you all next week for X3 The Last Stand.
1: As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network for hosting and mentoring. In 7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork. Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music. Our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this. And you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote stand the Man, enough said. Or you can send us an email using threecountthoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell.